The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Good morning. God bless. And thank God we made it out all right. Two days ago marked the one-year anniversary of this coronavirus pandemic. You might call it a coronaversary. But one year, and thank God we made it out. All right. And you know what? We're going to continue to make it with the help of the Lord. Thank God for the progress that's been made. Thank God for the hope that's been given. Thank God for the light at the end of the tunnel. And I trust that you've gotten your vaccine, or at least the first dose of your vaccine. And I encourage you to get the vaccine. Amen. Now, I'm very grateful to God that I've received both doses of the vaccine. And I'm encouraging others to do the same. I want you to get the coronavirus vaccine before coronavirus gets you. Amen. Be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. My people destroyed, the prophet said, because of a lack of knowledge. And God has answered our prayer. God has answered our pleas. And so don't miss the Lord when he's moving. And I believe the Lord is moving right now. Thank God for the new leadership in our national government in Washington, D.C. Thank God for the hope that's given. And I am hopeful that the end is in sight. And I'm believing God that we'll be able to come back together for public worship. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, but coming together to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And speaking of spirit and truth, this morning I want to read to you from the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John chapter 4. Beginning at verse 21. Here Jesus is speaking, in fact he's ministering to the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. And in verse 21 Jesus said to her, Woman believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. But we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, lose the religion and find true faith. Lose the religion and find true faith. 
As I said earlier, two days ago marked the one-year anniversary of this global pandemic. Living through this pandemic this past year, we've had to cope with a lot. We've had to cope with stay-at-home orders, forsaking the assembling of ourselves for corporate worship. We've had to wear face masks and social distance. And we've experienced runs on food and supplies at stores. Many of the shelves in the stores over the past year were stripped and empty. We've had to deal with isolation and loneliness. Some have wrestled with fear and uncertainty, anxiety and stress. And some have had to deal with grief and bereavement because of the loss of a loved one or friend. And you know, what's interesting, beloved, is this. These global and personal challenges have left some weak and shaken. But others are strengthened in their faith. How's it that? We've all gone through the same thing over the last year. We've all had experienced the same challenges. And these things have left some weak and shaken. But others of us, we got stronger and stronger. How could this be? How could this be? And the more I thought about this message and the more I meditated on these thoughts, what came to me was simply this. Some lost their religion and others found their true faith. This is why I'm encouraging this morning, lose the religion and find true faith. We need to understand that God has never called us to religion. Jesus never came to give us religion. There are many religions here in the earth when Jesus came to the earth, incarnated into the flesh as the son of man. Religion was already here. So he didn't come to bring us religion. Neither was Jesus religious. Jesus was a Palestinian Jew born in Bethlehem. He was the son of God. And he came to give us life he came to give us a relationship with God. He came to give us something that other religions did not offer and could not offer. So being a believer, bottom line is this, being a believer is a relationship. Let me say it again. Being a believer is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. And it all begins at John chapter 3, verse 16, where Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I need you to understand the invitation. I need you to understand what God was offering. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, don't miss this, whosoever, whosoever is a pronoun. Jesus came to offer something that would be personal and relational. Whosoever believes, every one of us have the opportunity to walk with God one-on-one. To know that we have a personal relationship. To know that we can relate to God and God certainly relates to us. So being a believer is about having a relationship with God. It's not about a religion. Listen to me very carefully. A relationship with God, when you really think about it, and this is what was different. This is the new order that Jesus brought to us that wasn't in the earth before. A relationship with God is a spiritual connection. It's a spiritual connection that is personal and relational. We need to understand that God is a personal God. Not only is God a spirit, he's a personal God. And he wants us to relate to him as he relates to us. Here in our text, in John chapter 4, Jesus is having a conversation with this woman at the well. And he's going to tell this woman that there's a new day. In fact, it's already here where God's establishing a new economy, a new economy for worship. And the worshipers would have a personal relationship with God. Jesus said to the woman, the hour is coming when you will neither worship God on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Many of us who's caught up religion, we don't think we can worship God properly unless we're worshiping God in a certain place within the confines of the four walls of the church house. But God is a spirit and we can worship God wherever we are because wherever we are, God is. So Jesus told the woman, it's not about worshiping God in Jerusalem because I'm a Jew. It's not about worshiping God in this mountain because you're a Samaritan. And this mountain was Mount Jerusalem. The Samaritans, the Samaritans had a temple on Mount Jerusalem. And the Samaritans thought that that was the place to worship God. But Jesus told the woman, you worship what you do not know. And many believers are the same way. We are worshiping what we do not know. God wants you to know him. The Samaritans did not know what they worshiped because, first of all, the Samaritans were a little mixed up. Not just racially. You see, a Samaritan was a cross between an Assyrian and a Jew. So they were people of the mixed race. But they're also people who accepted the first five books of the Bible. They accepted 
the writings of Moses, but they did not accept the writings of the prophets. And because they didn't accept the writings of the prophets, they missed out on good teaching and good revelation about who God is and what God requires. So Jesus said to the woman, you worship what you do not know. We know what we're worshiping because salvation is of the Jews. What was Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, you Samaritans, you only have part knowledge of God. And then you took that little knowledge of God and you mixed it in with your idolatrous ways. There were idols. There was also worship by the Samaritans on Mount Jerusalem. So Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. Too many of us are worshiping what we do not know. Rather than knowing God and knowing what God expects and what God requires. Jesus said, we Jews, we know what we worship because salvation is of the Jews. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus, again, was carnated in the flesh, born as the son of God. And he was born as a Palestinian Jew. Don't get mad at me, nobody, but Jesus was not born with blue eyes and blonde hair. He was a Palestinian Jew. And he made it clear salvation is from the Jews. So we know what we're worshiping. You don't know what you're worshiping. That's the problem. Some of us know and some of us just don't know. Some of us feel like our worlds have caved in. Our lives have been upended, turned upside down because our way of lives have been interrupted with this pandemic. But those of us that know that salvation is of the Jews know that Jesus, whom we serve, is with us wherever we are and regardless with what's going on in our lives. You see, God first gave the gospel message, if you will, to Abraham, the father of the Jews. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed in you. Then he raised up Jesus as a descendant from the line of Abraham. As a descendant of Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, Abraham's grandson. So God entrusted the gospel message with the Jews and the Jews brought the message to the world. Through the world, through the Jews, that message was brought. So Jesus said, you don't know what you worship. Do you really know what you worship? Are you worshiping God or are you worshiping the building that you miss so dearly coming to? Are you worshiping God or are you worshiping some man or woman? that you respect and admire? Are you worshiping God? Or are you worshiping the fellowship and the sociability of being around people you, you like? Do you know what you worship? Because salvation comes from the Jews. But Jesus said the hour is coming. 
and now is. In other words, there's a new day. There's a new order. And it begins right here. That you're not going to worship God in some place. You're not going to worship God only in Jerusalem or only in this mountain. You're going to worship God wherever you are. Wherever you are because of your relationship with God, you're going to worship him because God is a spirit. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the father is seeking such. He is seeking such who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking you. God is seeking me. And he's saying, lose the religion. The Samaritans had a religion. But Jesus offered a true faith. So God is saying, lose the religion. And find your true faith. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must, must. It isn't conditional. It isn't a choice. It's one way and one way only. You must worship God in spirit and in truth. What is it to worship God in spirit and truth? To worship God in spirit is not worshiping with a formality. It's not worshiping with a ceremony. To worship God in spirit and in truth is to commune with God from your heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. To worship him in truth is to worship him according to his word. Jesus said his words are truth. Father, sanctify them through the truth. Jesus prayed, thy word is truth. John chapter 17. So this relationship with God begins with a spiritual connection, not a physical connection. God is a spirit. God doesn't have bodily form. He's a spirit. So he's everywhere. He's everywhere. So wherever you are, God is. And God says, worship me. Wherever you are, I've given you a spiritual connection so that you can worship me personally and relationally. See, too many of us are caught up with religion. Religion. You know, there's a lot of things to get delivered from, but one of the things we need to let God deliver us from is religion. We need to get delivered from religion. What is religion? You see, you need to understand that religion is man's search for God. And man's belief in that God or a group of gods. Here's the problem with religion. Religion steals. Let me say it again. Religion steals, but faith builds. Huh? Jesus said in John chapter 10, Verse 10, I am come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. But he prefaced that promise with, but the thief cometh, but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I am come not to offer you religion, but I am come to offer you life and life in abundance. Why did he make that promise? Well, John chapter 10 is a continuation of John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a man. He opened the eyes of a man who was born blind. And the synagogue of the Pharisees, in other words, the religious people, 
could not accept the miracle. In fact, they threatened to kick this man out of the synagogue. They threatened to kick his parents out, to excommunicate them from the synagogue if they called Jesus a man of God, if they believed that he was a true prophet. They did everything not to accept the miracle, all because Jesus violated their religious beliefs. He healed the man on the Sabbath day. And because he healed the man on the Sabbath day, their religion blinded, blinded them to the point where they were unwilling to accept the miracle at all. They threatened the parents of the blind man. They threatened the blind man himself. And in fact, they went ahead and excommunicated the blind man from the synagogue. That's what religion does. Religion steals. So in John chapter 10, Jesus went on to say, but the thief, in other words, religion, but the thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. Religion steals. Religion will steal your joy. Religion will steal everything you have. But thank God faith builds. Faith will build you up. One thing about religion, it doesn't hold out. We've gone a year with a pandemic and many of us have had to face some difficult times. But under stressful conditions, whether you're facing a test, a trial, or a temptation, religion isn't reliable. Religion will let you down. Religion will shift and sink like sand. Remember, Jesus told the parable of the house that was built upon the rock in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, whosoever hears these words of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew upon the house and it did not fall because it was built upon a rock. Then he went on in the parable to say, whosoever hear these sins of mine and doeth them not, then I liken him unto a foolish man. The rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew upon his house, and his house fell, and great was the fall of it. Because that house was built on sand. Religion is like sinking sand. Religion is like sand that ships in the bedrock of the river. We need a solid rock. We need something we can stand on, something we can depend on. We need something in the face of that test, that trial, that temptation, that hardship. We need something we can stand on. We need to stand on that solid rock. And that solid rock is the word of God. And the word of God comes to us not to give us religion, but to give us life. One thing about religion, religion requires external trappings like symbols, rituals, ceremonies, works, formalities, Religion requires a building to worship in. 
Hmm? That's what religion requires. And some folks just don't feel right if they're not coming to the building. Well, you've had a year to get over that feeling. And I'm telling you, if you're struggling with this, I ask you this question, where is God? Where is your spiritual connection? Where is your personal and relational exchange between you and God? Where is it? I'm telling you, God has been more real to me over this past year than I can ever imagine. It's God that sustained me. It's God that's given me the strength to carry on. Nothing and no one can stop God, not even a pandemic. You see, true worship, that's what God is calling for. True worship, where we worship him in spirit and in truth. True worship, here's what we need to understand about true worship. In true worship, the place is always secondary to the person. Let me say it again. In true worship, the place that you worship is always secondary, is always subordinate to the person who's the object of your worship. So I don't need to be at church to worship God. I can worship God wherever I am because wherever I am, he is. And God is a spirit. Isaiah 66 verse 1. God spoke to the prophet says, where is the house you shall build me? Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house you shall build me? Where is the place of my rest? God says, you can't contain me in a building. I'm a God of heaven. I'm a God of all the earth. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. And you're going to build me a house? Where is the place of my rest? You cannot contain God. God is everywhere. Acts chapter 7 verse 48. They quoted the prophet saying, the prophet Isaiah saying, the most high God does not dwell in temples built with hands. Let me say it again. God does not dwell in temples built with hands. God dwells in you. God dwells in me. So wherever we are, God is. So we need to lose the religion and find true faith. Glory to God. True religion. Let me say this. True worship. True worship of the true God requires a true relationship with him. Let me say it again. True worship of the true God requires a true relationship with him. Do you have a true relationship with him? Or do you have a platonic relationship with him? You got to have a true relationship with the true God to give him true worship. So you got to lose the religion and find your true faith. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus called his would-be disciples. He called Peter and Andrew his brother. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Beloved, that's personal and relational. He said, follow me. He 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.